Well, it's the part number four of our Gospel of John sermon series this morning. And we're going to be looking at uh, John chapter 1, verses 10 through 13, Lord willing. Uh, John chapter 1, and let's go ahead and read our text, starting there at verse 10. Here the Bible says, He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Father, thank you for the reading of your word this morning. I'm praying that you'll help us, and Lord, we'll give you the glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, we pick up here uh, where we left off last time. Last time we looked at verses 6 through 9, which focused our attention on John the Baptist. And we talked in detail about that man. And we'll be talking more about John the Baptist in the next few chapters, uh, I believe up through chapter 3 maybe. And then and then he's mentioned a little later on after his death and, and the words of Jesus, what he said about him. But we'll look more at John the Baptist in later sermons, but this morning our attention is going to be on Christ rejected. That's what I've named the message this morning, Christ rejected. Uh, look there at verse 10. It says, he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. Uh, this is where we see the very first rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the Bible says he was in the world, and the world was made by him. Now, we've already discussed that and talked about it. We know that Christ has always been existent. Uh, um, we we want to say from the very beginning, but there is no beginning. He is always uh, there. And so he's the eternal one. Uh, we don't know, I mean, how all this is. It's, it baffles our mind to even think about God being always in existence. Uh, because all we can figure out is the little bit of time that the world's been in existence. Well, God's been in existence much, 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 much longer. Uh, so here we see that this, uh, uh, it's talking about, he's re it's referring to his existence as a man in human form, as well as his deity being the creator of the world. Uh, we saw in John chapter 1, verse 3 up there at the top, it says, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So we know that Christ was the, in the creation. He was the one who created. Uh, we know that all three members of the Trinity were involved in creation, but uh, we know that Christ, the Bible says there, that all things were made by him. Nothing was made <laughs> that was without him. So everything was made. And by the way, it's all made for him. Everything was made for him. But there in verse 10, after that, it says, and the world knew him not. Now that's, isn't that something that, something that, that Christ created, but yet his creation don't know who he is. They don't know him. And uh, that's, that right there is very telling about the world that we live in, uh, the kind of people that we are, to not even recognize your own creator, how sad that is. Now, it's clear the Gentiles didn't know Christ. Uh, not up until, you know, the grafting in of the Gentiles there, as we read about in the Bible. But uh, a few did. I mean, a few pagans and Gentiles, they came over to believe in, in the, the God of Israel. But where Christ is concerned, uh, the Gentiles weren't looking for Christ. They didn't know anything about Israel's Messiah. Uh, but uh, 
here the Bible says that they knew him not. The world knew him not. Now, we are part of the world, by the way, in case you didn't know that. We're part of the world. And in fact, the Bible says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world, and that's us. Uh, so we're part of this. Uh, we would not know Christ apart from his good graces upon us. Uh, during the time that he came in human form, um, it was during the reign of the Roman Empire. Uh, the Roman Empire was the ruling empire on the face of the earth, biggest of all at that time. And they were a pagan Gentile nation. They worshipped Greek and uh, Roman gods. We, we know all those, uh, Zeus and Apollos, Mercury, you know, all this, things like that. Uh, but they knew nothing of the Jewish God of Israel. So, of course, they didn't know him. But here's the bad part. Look at verse 11. The Bible says, He came unto his own, and his own received him not. So not only did the Gentiles reject Christ, but here we see his own people rejected him. Where it says there unto his own, that means the Jewish race. Uh, Israelites, those that uh, were um, part of the descendants of Abraham, uh, the ones that were in this line of, of King David, the ones that were looking for this blessed Messiah that had been promised. And when he came, they, the Bible says, received him not. Now that, that word received right there means to accept or to take for yourself. They said they did not receive him. The Bible says they did not receive him. They received him not. So in other words, they did not accept him and they did not take him for themselves. Even though he is the one that God promised that he would send to them for them to take and for them to receive, for them to accept. But yet they did not accept him. Now his existence to them has been known throughout all, all the, the world from the beginning of history, all the way from Adam on down through their forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, uh, the prophets, all of them spoke of this one that was coming. They knew about him all down through history. The Jews did. They knew the signs to look for, and Jesus fulfilled every one of those signs. They knew the place where he was going to be born. It was prophesied. He was born there. They didn't accept him. They, they would not receive him. And they still will not receive him today. Now, because of their rejection of Christ, because they would not receive him or accept him, they have been blinded. And they're still blinded today. Now, not every Jew is lost. There's Jews that saved. There's Jews that got saved during the time of Christ. And after his death, burial, and resurrection, they got saved. But uh, And there's Jews being saved today. But as a whole... Uh, the Jewish nation is in blindness and will continue to be until the time of the Gentiles is over. Uh, now, many believing myself believe that, that if the Jews had received Christ on his first time he came, uh, during the time we're talking about, if he came unto his own and his own received him, uh, I believe that he could have right then set up his earthly kingdom and ruled and reigned there in Jerusalem. Uh, I don't see anything other than, than why that would, would not happen. But they did not. And it was prophesied they would reject him. Over in Isaiah 53 and 3, the Bible says, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. That word esteem means to hold in high value. 
the Bible says right there, Isaiah the prophet, he, he pins down what God inspired him to pin, and he said, we esteemed him not. In other words, we did not hold him to a high value. We saw him as a very low value, worthless, and no good for nothing. And so they hated him. They despised him. The Jews plotted his, his murder, and they carried it out. They, uh, his false arrest. And everything that happened to him, the Jews planned that. And so uh, they esteemed him not. They didn't hold him in high value, even though he was the most valuable thing ever in existence. And like I said, because of this rejection, because of their unbelief in Christ, uh, they, the Jews are in darkness. Now, we studied this when we were studying through the book of Romans, rooting through Romans. And we saw in Romans chapter 11 and verse 25, the Bible says, for I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. Blindness in part. So not every Jew is blinded. Some will receive Christ. Their eyes will be open. But in part, they're blinded. And they will be, like the Bible said, until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. Now, we studied on this, and we learned from the Bible that means... We know that the Gentiles were grafted in, and God used that to provoke the Jews to jealousy, the Bible says. And these Jews will stay in blindness until that time comes, the time the Gentiles fully comes in. So that means when it's over. That When that point is, is when the, the tribulation occurs. When God calls his church out of here, the time of the Gentiles is that time is be over. And then God will focus his full attention upon his people, Israel. That's when they, their eyes are going to be opened. Uh, but here in the Gospel of John, verse 11, uh, it is one of the most condemning verses in all the Bible when it comes to the Jews. The Jews fully rejected their Messiah, and this was the proverbial nail in the coffin for them. Now, this same rejection of Christ by the world and by his own people is still going on today. Now, of course, there's Gentiles that believe in Christ. Of course, there's Jews that are saved and believe in Christ. But the majority of the world still rejects Jesus Christ. They hate him. Uh, they refuse to believe on him. They refuse to trust him. They refuse to turn to him for salvation. Uh, the fact is, the world despises Christ, and if they had it to do over with, they would crucify him again if given the opportunity. Uh, listen to what the Bible says over in John chapter 3, and verses 19 and 20. The Bible says, and this is the condemnation. Now, we know what condemnation means, right? That means condemned to hell. This is the condemnation that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For every one that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Now, if there's any verses in the Bible that should scare people to death. It's that one right there. That this light was sent by God to come into this world. The light was Jesus Christ. And he was sent into this world to bring light to the darkness. But what the Bible says that men love darkness rather than light. In other words, we love our sin. We love our evil deeds. We love all these things that we do more than we would love Christ. And we will reject him every single time. The latest FBI statistics, and you can look it up on uh, usr.fbi.gov. 
But these are statistics for violent crimes. In 2019 is the the very latest statistics they have. They don't have them for the last three years. There have been 1,203,808 violent crimes in our nation in 2019. So there's probably been more uh, last year or this year. Of those violent crimes murder, there were 16,425 murders here in the United States. This is just in our country. (laughs) There were 139,815 rapes. There were 267,988 robberies. And 821,182 aggravated assaults. Guess when all these occurred? In the dark, at night. Look at the crime statistics. All these major violent crimes occur in the nighttime. Why? Because men's deeds are evil. They love the dark and they commit most of their evil, sinful acts in the cover of darkness because they hate the light. And their deeds, it says there that uh, lest their deeds should be reproved. So they think they can get by with it in the middle of the night. Everything's dark. Nobody can see them. They creep around in their sinful condition and commit these crimes, these sins. Now, Jesus was sent into this world to be a light unto this darkness. Um, These mortal fleshly bodies, however, and these carnal minds that we have, we naturally gravitate toward evil, sinful. It is not hard to think a sinful thought at all. And it takes no effort for us to do evil, but it takes a lot of effort for us to do good. You ever notice that? Think about something or someone that you don't like. Try to think of something good about them. Try to think of a redeeming quality, something that you could say that's positive about that something or someone that you don't like. What are you going to do? But it's very easy for you to make a list of all the things you can't stand. All their flaws, all their problems. You can list those out. It doesn't take any effort at all. But for you to try to come up with something good to say, something positive about someone or something that you don't like, it's very difficult. It's not easy. And that's, uh, that's sad that we're like that, that we're naturally inclined to be that way. I can think of people that you know, off the top of my head that I don't, I don't care for. I mean, I don't want to see anybody die and go to hell. Don't get me wrong. But there are some people that can really aggravate you and get on your bad side and you just don't think anything good about them. And I can bring some of those people into my mind and I can try and try and try to think of some redeeming quality. And it would have to be something silly like, well, they've got nice hair. <laughs> you know, maybe you could go that far. And you probably didn't mean it when you said it. But we gravitate toward sin, darkness, evil, bad things. It takes effort on our part to be good. Now, we as Christians do have an edge over those that are lost because we do have the light of Christ within us. Our problem is we shield that light or we we don't allow that light to to guide us in our way. We let our old man, our old feelings, our carnal flesh and sinful nature and thoughts override the, 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 
the calling and the and the the uh, the direction of the light that's within us. The, the, the next verse there in John chapter three in verse twenty one it says, "But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God." So we do as a Christian have the benefit of having the light of Christ within us. Uh, as difficult, think about this: as difficult as it is for us as a Christian to say something good or redeeming about something or someone we don't like. Think about what a lost person, how they are about something like that. It'd be ten times as worse. So we do have a lot of Christ within us. And that is, after all, the reason that Jesus came here in the first place, to bring us this light so that we did not have to be in darkness. We could believe on him and be saved. We can receive him, not like the Bible says the Jews did not receive him, but that we can receive him. Uh, John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So the Bible is very clear, and those are the words of the Lord Jesus right there. We all know the stories. He's speaking to Nicodemus that came to him in the night, asking how he could be saved, and he explains all these things to him about, about the condition of man and, and what we must do. Now, look back in our opening text, back in uh, John chapter 1, verse 12. <clears throat> the Bible says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Now, we talked about this a few weeks ago, uh, about receiving Christ. And I know I've been talking about it here in this message as well, receiving Christ. And I mentioned that some people don't like that phrase. Would you receive Christ? Have you received Christ? And they say, what are you talking about? Some people think that that's bad theology, but that's Biblical theology, it's what the Bible says. The Jews did not receive him. But right here in verse 12, it says, As many as received him, what it, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. Who are the sons of God? Those that are saved. How do you get saved? Well, the Bible says you receive him. And what does it say there in the last part of that? Even to them that believe on his name. And so, if you have believed in the name of Jesus Christ, then it means you received him. If you accepted him and you took him for yourself, you look to him to be your savior. And that is the very definition of salvation. And so, many people may ask something such as, have you accepted Christ as your savior? It means the same thing. Accepted, accepted received, took for yourself. That's what that means. Now, of course, you would not receive him, accept him, or believe in him, or take him on for yourself if you do not believe in him. Not believe he is, or believe that he was, or believe that he was real. That has, that has no, no bearing on salvation. Uh, it's much more than just believing Jesus was a real man. It's much more than believing that he lived on earth at one time and was a great Jewish teacher. There's many people that believe that. Lost people all over the world believe that. Uh, the Bible even says the devils believe and tremble. They're not saved. Neither is these other people that believe that Jesus is real. 
It's much more than that. You must believe in Him. A Christian believes in His death, burial, and resurrection and believe Him to be the only means of salvation. There is no other way to be saved except through Jesus Christ. And we believe that. So based upon that belief, what do we do? We accept Him. We take Him as our own. We receive Him as our Savior. Now, the, the mark of a true Christian is that we will follow Jesus after we've been saved. Now, a lot of people don't like that either. What do you mean? We've got to go to church every time the door is open. We've got to read our Bibles all day long and, and all this stuff. Well, it'd be good if you did. But if you don't follow Jesus, you've never been saved. And I, you know, I'll just put that as blunt as I can. I, I get so worried sometimes of anybody, I'm leery of them that tell me they got saved at such and such time in their life, yet they've never, ever, ever gave one indication that they even know who Christ is. Never. They've never lived for him. A mark of a truly saved person is they follow Jesus after they've been saved. Listen to what the Bible says in John chapter 10, verses 24 through 31. It says, Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. And I, I and my Father are one. Look, look what verse 31 says. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Here Jesus is. He's telling them right there that I and my Father are one. Father, of course, being God. And he says, he gave me these, these sheep, and they follow me. You don't follow me because you're not one of my sheep. You don't follow me because you don't believe on me. You don't follow me because you don't believe in, in my Father. And what the Bible said, well, they took up stones to stone him. You see, all they were interested in was religious, religion, religious activities, things like that. But to believe on him, they would not do. And so what they want to do, they want to kill him. What, what happens when you don't agree with something? What do you want to do? You don't agree with something, you want to get rid of it. You want to make it go away. So what are they going to do? They're going to try to make him go away by killing him. And they were accusing him, of course, of blasphemy. Accusing him of being on the same level of God and uh, of, being, of claiming to be God, claiming to be a deity. And he wasn't claiming it. He was it. <laughs> he didn't have to, have to make any excuses. He is God. And so uh, they were not his sheep. They did not follow him. They did not know his voice. Now, like I said, this is one reason I'm leery of people that claim they've been saved at such and such time. Maybe they were scared into making some kind of profession of faith as a young kid or something. Or maybe they followed other people down because they were getting saved and they thought they'd just follow the leader and they got saved. Or whatever it was. But they never truly believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, his in his uh, uh, reason for salvation, that he was their means of salvation and never received him as Savior. 
Now, the Bible teaches us that true believers are followers of Christ and that you will know them by their fruits. All right, now look back at verse 13 in our opening text. John chapter 1, verse 13. It goes on to say, Which were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now, in this last verse here, we see that a person who becomes a son of God, and by the way, that, that term son right there of God, is just a universal term for mankind. So women and men both are included in this. Uh, so anyone who has received him, they become sons of God, they believed on his name, and it says, which were born. So what does that mean? That means they've been born again. It doesn't mean... Uh, the, the first time they were uh, on earth from their mother's womb. It means they were born again, which were born not of blood, not of your mother and father's blood, not, nor the will of the flesh, so not some man's will of flesh, um, a man and woman, uh, uh, a husband and wife. They say, we want to have a child, and we're going to try to have a child. It was not that, and not the will of man, it says, but of God. So this birth... This being born again means being born of God, a new creature in Christ. And so uh, that's what it means to be born again. And I'm sure we're all familiar with that phrase, born again Christian. That's what it's referring to, being born again. We must be born again. And we'll look closer in a few weeks uh, when we get to chapter 3. But quickly, I want us to look at John chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. John chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. The Bible says there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be what? Born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. So right there we see um, to see the kingdom of God, we must be born again. Now, listen to what Nicodemus says. Verse 4, Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said to thee, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whether it goeth. So is everyone is born of the Spirit. Notice there's a capital S on Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Verse 9, Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? You see, Nicodemus came to Jesus. He's not a saved man. But he has questions. He's wondering about how he can have eternal life. He, he wants to know how he's going to be in the kingdom of God. And he comes to Jesus because he's been seeing and hearing Jesus teach and preach all around there where he's at. And so he's curious. He comes to him because he believes Jesus has the, the answer. And he, he did. He does have the answer. And, but the answer is not quite what Nicodemus expected. You see, the Jews in that day were expecting some, to perform some kind of work to be able to get into the kingdom of God. No, nothing spiritual about it. Spiritual things had, had, no, they had no inkling in their mind about doing spiritual things. 
It was always physical things. So what do I have to do? Do I have to abstain from this meat? Do I have to do this deed? Do I have to keep these laws? Do I have to do this and that? And that's what he's wanting here. And Jesus tells him he's got to be born again. So what's he doing? He's thinking with his natural mind. And by the way, Paul calls him, or not particularly Nicodemus, but he calls people like that uh, uh, a natural man. A natural man. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2 and 14, Paul writes, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they're spiritually discerned. Nicodemus is a natural man. When he hears Jesus saying, you got to be born again, he thinks that's foolish because he says, no, wait a minute. <laughs> you mean to tell me a grown man has to come out of his mother's womb again? And so he's not thinking with a spiritual mindset because he's not a saved man. And he's thinking in a physical sense, uh, a natural man's thinking, a carnal way of thinking. He has no understanding. He, is, he does not have spiritual discernment. Those that's been saved has spiritual discernment. We are able to discern those things of God. Uh, a lot of people don't think about that. Whenever we're weighing something uh, spiritual, is it of God or is it not? We can tell because we're spiritually discerned. Now, to be born again, you have to be born of God, not of human blood, not of human flesh, nor human will, but be born of God. The Apostle Peter says this in 1 Peter 1, 22 and 23. He says, Seeing ye have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. Listen to this, verse 23. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So there Peter was explaining the same thing. He, what, what do he say there? He says, not of corruptible seed. So corruptible seed is man's seed, a woman's seed. It's not the things of God. He says, not of corruptible, but incorruptible. The only thing incorruptible is God. And so you must be born of God. He said, And here he said, by the word of God. Same thing. Who is the word? The word is Jesus Christ. And so, and it says, which liveth and abideth forever. But listen, this world is filled with darkness. It is filled with those who will not receive Christ as their Savior. They will continue to hate him. They will continue to reject him. Only God can change the hearts of men and women today to where they will receive him. But it's up to us to try to reach them. That is one of the jobs that the Lord gave us once we've been saved. We are to tell the world. We don't hide our light. I talked about it, the, I believe, the last time. Uh, we used to sing that song about not hiding our light under a bushel. No, we're going to let it shine. Uh, we're supposed to be that city on the hill, but our light's shining out. And so we, we cannot save anyone. We don't have it within us. We don't have the ability. We don't have the power to save anyone. But we do have the power to shine our light, and our light is the light of Christ. What did the Bible say? He came here into this world. Uh, the light came here to shine in, in the darkness so that men could believe on him and be saved. Once we've done that, we have the light of Christ within us. We are to let it shine in this world of darkness. And we'll see those. We become a witness for Christ. And they can know him, just like Peter said, through the word of God. So what do we do? All we simply have to do is share 
the Word of God. It could be in a Bible verse. It could be in a, in a Bible tract. It could be just words that you speak, the words of God. And the conviction of the Holy Spirit is the one who does the, uh, the, the uh, prodding of that lost heart, the one that's drawing those that are lost and drawing them toward Christ. And we said this last time, the Lord said, If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And so that's what we must do. We must lift up Christ, and he will draw men unto him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much for the message today. I pray that it's been helpful. Lord, I pray for those that may be watching this online. Lord, I pray for those that's here in the church. And Lord, I pray, God, that we will shine the light of your love throughout this world of darkness. God, that we can see men and women come to the light and be saved. Lord, help us to be faithful. Help us to be uh, a Christian that you would have us to be, a church you would have us to be. And Lord, we want to give you the praise, the honor, the glory for it all. For it's these things we ask in the name of Jesus. And amen.